This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome back to the channel and welcome back to another edition of the Spurs Chat Podcast. Of course, in this edition, we'll be talking about everything Tottenham Hotspur and the January transfer window. Of course, it is now day 23 of the January transfer window. Spurs have done business early, which is great to see. And I'm absolutely great to see George Sessions back on the channel with me. Of course, uh, Press Association journalist. George, pleasure to have you here. How are you? Yeah, I'm good, thanks. Cheers. Cheers having me back on and... Uh... Back on, and we've already got signings to talk about in January 23rd, as, as you just mentioned. It's, uh, yeah, strange times for your Spurs fan, isn't it? George, the mood is just so different under Ange Postacoglu. Um, of course, you work for Press Association, you work for various newspapers before that, and I'm sure that everybody watching and listening have read one of your articles because, of course, your articles go far and wide in the national newspapers. Um, what is it like as a journalist right now, being in that uh, press conference room with Ange Postacoglu? Of course, you ask him questions on a weekly basis. What has it been like these last six months? Yeah, I, I've said it quite a few times to people, but it's, he's just been a breath of fresh air. He, he really has. Um, and, you know, I think it's very easy to sort of look back negatively on Antonio's time. And a lot of it was negative, but but not all of it. Um, and he was very good with the press, actually. But it's just, you know, from a journalist's point of view, he's just absolute gold. There's there's always new nuggets that he comes out with on a weekly basis, it feels like, um, which, is, which is great. And it's really good to get someone, you know, I guess with his background and his and his story in, in the Premier League you know it's, it's not a an, it's not a you know a normal trajectory is it from uh, Australia via Japan and Scotland and, and various other um, you know really interesting different jobs as well um, so it's just it's nice from that from a Premier League point of view and then as a as a Spurs fan it's it's great to hear a manager talking with so much pride about being a Tottenham manager again, because um, that's definitely been lacking the last few years. Um, and look, Angie's Angie's great fun. Um, he's not always, you know, happy, smiley, as I'm sure people have seen. And he, 
can be a little bit, um, you know, narky at times, uh, narky at times, and, and tetchy. But I think all the best managers are like that. Um, and yeah, it's, it's been great to just to sort of learn more about him over these last six months, and obviously watch the football that he's, he's been producing. Because um, you know, even though you know, I didn't know exactly what was going to happen. I certainly didn't think it could be as good as this so quickly. Um, and the exciting thing is it feels like I can get even better. Um, so, yes, yeah, a long, long way to continue. I was going to ask that, George. As a journalist who covers Tottenham Hotspur on a weekly basis, are you surprised yourself on how good these six months have been? Because it does feel extremely exciting. You know, when you look at the transfer window, which of course we're going to come on to transfers, but when you look at the transfer window in the summer, when you look at the transfer window now, bearing in mind that no other Premier League clubs seem to be doing business and Spurs got business done early, are you surprised on how good it's been under Ange these these six months? Because there were a lot of doubters, weren't there? Well, I mean, who did we who did Tottenham sell on the day before the Brentford over yeah. Harry Kane? You know, I didn't. I didn't realistically think. I didn't think that Tottenham would be in a relegation battle, but I did think. You know, you're taking out thirty goals. You've got a new manager there that's never managed in the Premier League. You've you know, half the team is is, is not you. Well, he's not going to be able to play his style of football. Um, there was a lot of. There's a lot of factors there that it could be a recipe for disaster. And I think it's been so impressive um, just how quickly he got all the players on board. Really. Um, and I'm sure we'll talk about some of the players that could be leaving, but you know, people that maybe necessarily you didn't think would be on board, you know, PM or Hoiberg being one. Um, you know, even he is someone that's you know completely been committed to this and tried his absolute best to to play this completely new style of football, and it's really hard to do. Um, you know, to go from Antonio and even Jose's you know kind of low block and counter-attacking football to now be having expecting people to be on the ball for 60-65% of the game is, is a real tough ask. Um, and the signings were very, very good in the summer and, that, and that's helped. But even still, I think, you know, I don't I don't personally think Spurs are in a title race, but they're definitely in the top four race. Um, might even be in a in the sort of top three race, to be honest, if, if Man City and Liverpool do, do run away with it. Um, and I definitely did not expect that. I, I, I would have taken sixth I think as as a fan um, and I felt like that was maybe being optimistic I, I thought realistically it could be a seventh maybe another eighth season just because you're taking out Harry Kane's goals and it's such a big transition um, so to have been top in November and then dealt with all these injuries um, which is the extra context to it you know you just imagine what it would have been like the last few years if Spurs had you know 12 players out you know five of them six of them first team players it you all know what sort of football we would have been watching and, and what the sort of press conference would have been like. Um, so for it to have gone the way it has and Spurs to be fifth and, you know, bang in there, um, given all the injuries, all the unavailability, it's remarkable, really. Um, I, I, you know, it's all, and almost couldn't have done a, a better job so far. Um, and that's testament to him, but also the, the people behind him um, and the squad, of course, because they've, you know, for, to a man, really, they've, they've all been very, very good. George, I completely agree with you. Before the season, I would have said that Spurs would be probably seventh or eighth at the end of this season. And of course, you know, the fans have been uh, absolutely delighted with what we've seen so far. And it feels exciting because what the football club and Ange Postacoglu are doing right now. Um, you mentioned there that you don't see Spurs as title contenders. Um, bearing in mind what problems Ange has gone through in terms of suspensions, injuries and like Harry Kane leaving, etc., um, what else do you think that Spurs need 
to be title contenders, to be right up there with the likes of Liverpool, Manchester City and co. And uh, do you think that Ange will perhaps be focusing and, and planning uh, for being title contenders next season? Yeah, yeah, I think he, I think he will be. Um, and he and he thinks Spurs are in a tight race. He, he said it last week, I believe. Oh, no, the Burnley game, he said Spurs are in a tight race. Um, I think there's a couple of things. I, I think it'd be great if Spurs can stay in the conversation until April time, um, just for the experience point of view, because this squad obviously don't have the experience of being in a title race um, yeah. or kind of getting close. And I think that's something that's clearly, clearly lacking. You saw that of Arsenal last season. Arsenal had a really, really good season. You, know, you have to give them credit. And they didn't, but they didn't have that experience at the end when you need it. So if Spurs can stay in the in the conversation till April, just that from that point of view, that'll be really good for the squad. Um, but also I guess it's the depth, isn't it? We have seen that with this run. You know, you take James Madison out. And although actually we've found Dejan Kulisevsky is, is almost a perfect replacement in a way. Um, you need that all across the pitch. Um, and Richarlison's hit form now, but there's obviously still question marks over him. Um, and you'd obviously want, you know, all around the pitch, you know, midfield, there's still a few question marks. So I think you just want more quality um, in all areas of the pitch. And I, I guess, you know, there's you know, probably wide, the wide forwards is is the next place where Spurs probably do need to, to go up a level. Um, and maybe Timo Werner might be the answer for that. Maybe players will be... A player will be brought in this month that could long term be the answer. Um, but I think it's more, you know, Spurs have got a very good start in eleven, but it's more the depth now that you you, you want to push on it, and also you do want to bring in quality players that will replace the, you know, Dejan Kulusevski. I absolutely love, but it'd be great if actually he's not a guaranteed starter. That that would show how strong Spurs' squad had become if if that can be the case. Um, so I think that's the next step. Um, but there's there've been real big strides taken. Um and I, I guess the other factor with what I don't think Spurs are in the title race is, is Man City really. It's, it's when Pep's whilst Pep's at Man City, it's hard to see anyone not being the favourite. But I, in the back of my head, I'm sort of desperate for Spurs to be there when he does leave. Because it's gonna happen eventually. You know, he's not gonna stay there and do another ten years like Fergie. Um, I'd imagine the next two, you know, maybe three seasons, he will go. Um, so everyone else below needs to be there and ready to pounce when that happens. George, of course, you're reporting on Spurs every week. Who are you writing the most about at the moment? Who are you enjoying watching? And who do you think that Ange Postacoglu is getting the most out of and, and perhaps improved the most since he arrived in the summer? God, there's a lot of people to pick from. Um, That's great, isn't it? Love. Yeah, it is. It really is. I, you know, I love. I loved watching Madison during the first two months. Um, I knew how. I knew he was a really good footballer, and I was really excited when we signed him. I wish it had been a year, two, three years ago. Um, but to watch him up close, and I pretty much did every one of those first kind of ten, eleven games. Just you know, absolutely phenomenal footballer. Better, even better than I realised. Um, and so I'm very excited to see him come back in, although maybe it might take him a little bit of time to get up to speed. Um, but yeah, you really can go through the team. I mean, you know, Mickey van der Ven was brilliant when he first arrived. You know, Christian Romero also seems to have gone up a level, which is really good. Um, and, you know, Vicario absolutely already become a cult hero, hasn't he? Um, but I honestly feel like you could pretty much go through the whole team, really. Um, I guess maybe unsung heroes, you know, Pedro Porro has been 
really, really good um, and yeah. really consistent. You know, a lot of the people I've mentioned have missed periods. Porro's not missed. You know, he didn't start at Brentford, but I'm fairly certain he must have played almost every minute since. Um, and he's been really, really good. And then that's the player that we all kind of hoped was signed in January. Um, and we didn't see enough of that during the second half of last season, but a lot of factors for that. But he's he's been absolutely brilliant. And Pape Sar can be thrown into that as well. You know, the, you know, Pape Sar and Pedro are two players that probably Spurs fans really wanted to see a lot of during the second half of last season. And we either didn't or, or when they were playing, it was is in a team that was a mess. Um, so to see them both now in a, in a team where there's a clear structure and a clear identity, you're seeing how good they are. Um, and they're both so young. So it's you know, just the thing, you know, I think Spurs have got, I just read somewhere, they've got the, they're the fourth youngest team um, in the Premier League this season. And, and that's the thing, you go through this squad and there's, they're all a really good age. Um, and that's that's the exciting part. You just think there's the ceiling is so high for, the, for this squad. Um, just obviously things need to go a certain way, you know, need to keep hands. Um, but yeah, there's, there's, there's been so many good performers um, and, you, and you could literally go through 1 to 11 and, and there's you know there's very few players you can really criticise and say they haven't they haven't been good enough. George, you mentioned those key words there, need to keep Ange. That is exactly my next question. Um, of course, he signed a four-year deal at Tottenham. Um, but with the way things are going and like you've just said, Spurs are building a very, very decent, dynamic young team for the future, not only for now, but for the future. Do you think there's any chance in the summer, perhaps, that Spurs may offer Ange a new contract or is that, or, or, or am I getting ahead of myself? I don't think so. Um, you know, famous last words when January, the, the July the uh, 31st, he announces a new deal, but... No, I don't think so, especially because it was a four-year deal. Um, and that was a real statement of intent. You know, yeah. Tony got a two-year deal, I believe, didn't he? Um, Jose, I can't remember what his was, but it wouldn't have been, definitely wouldn't have been four years. Um, you don't really see that anymore. So that was a real statement of intent that we are backing this guy. It is a project. And Andrew's re-accelerated the project. Um, you know, there was, I can't remember who it was. I think it was Marvin Gary Neville actually mentioned him as a future Man City manager. Um but I, you know, I might be talking a bit naively here. I, I don't, I wouldn't see him as a Man City manager. I feel like he's someone that wants a challenge, um, and he wants a club that's almost in his own image. Um, you know, he's had to work, you know, non-stop, and he's he's come from the bottom, hasn't he? If, if we're looking at Australia in terms of the football pyramid, you know, no one, no one really rates Australian as a, as a real football nation. He's he's worked and scraped his way. Um, right to where he's now in the Premier League and one of the best, at the minute, one of the best managers of the season. So I think he certainly feels at home at Spurs. Um, and he's also got a lot of control at the minute. Um, and that's something I guess not always that, you know, you feel like Spurs managers have always had, but it feels like and just got a lot of control with, with the transfers and seems to have really, really built up a quick rapport with um, the new technical director, Joanne Lang. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of sort of, pieces in place at Spurs now which which makes it feel like a really good fit um so no I, I can't see him sign a new deal in the summer um but maybe if things are going brilliantly next season Spurs would look and think oh well at the end of this season he'll have two years left let's try and tie him down even longer um I actually did ask Ant last week if or the week before so that when it was for the Man United game if 
not if he could see himself doing a Fergie, but if he could see himself staying at Spurs sort of for a long time, because generally he's only been at clubs three or four years and he's sort of laughing at house. Um, you know, pretty rightly so, because he's not going to turn around and say, yeah, I can see myself being here for five years and, and then everyone takes the foot off the gas because they think it's, he's there and he's guaranteed there. But I do, I do honestly think this, you know, could be the club for him where he, he does kind of make it at home. He does stay here a long time, um, especially if, you know, which is probably realistic, Spurs aren't going to, win the title next season you know everyone would love that to happen but it's probably realistically not going to happen so it's going to be a building project um so at the minute i think everything sort of points towards him staying at spurs for a long time but i'd caveat that by saying football is such a fluid and crazy industry mm. you never really know what's around the corner but it, it does feel like everything's in place for him at spurs at the minute george you mentioned that key word there control now Previous Spurs managers or head coaches haven't had much control because, of course, Antonio Conte said about club signings with the likes of Jed Spence, etc. Um, what has changed dramatically, in your opinion? Is it all down to Ange Postacoglu? Because, of course, um, Daniel Levy, I just want you to ask you as well, is he still involved actively in the transfers? Uh, of course, you've still got Fabio Crashley still working at the club as a consultant. I just wanted your opinion and your take on what he actually does at the football club and what he's allowed to do and what he's not allowed to do. Um, of course, Scott Munn has come in. Um, Johan Lang, as you mentioned, of course, Spurs have uh, changed the um, academy director as well. Uh, Simon Davis, chief scout, Rob McKenzie. There have been a lot of changes at the football club in the last six months. And, you know, I know I'm going to say it again, to be in this position where everyone has got a massive smile on their faces and, and we can see the progress and we can see the future. Um, you know, there has been a lot of change, but who's who's actually in charge of what and who does what? Um, well, I think the key change is, is there's, there feels like a real structure to Spurs now. Um, I think, you know, probably as recently as, I guess, April when Fabio resigned, Daniel Levy was running the kind of, I guess, the football matters and Fabio Paratici was running the transfer matters. Um, that was kind of how it, how it was was going. Um, and I think, you know, you do have to give Daniel Levy some credit. I think he, I, I don't know when, but I guess he's recognised that he can't be so hands-on and he does have to delegate duties, um, which is why Scott Munn's come in. And now Scott Munn is generally dealing with the football side of things. Um, and obviously Fabio resigned, but part of that, um, the ban that he had, you know, he appealed it to FIFA and FIFA have allowed him to work from a consultancy basis. Um, he can't be involved in kind of running running a club like he was before, but he, he can be a consultant. So, you know, from that point of view, it's worked well for Spurs. Um, and also Paratici's managerial appointment of, of Nuno wasn't exactly the uh, the best choice. So maybe it's better that he's you know, not running things as he was. But um, but so, so Fabio is obviously still working at the club. Um, you know, he, he would have had a big say in Recario for sure. Um, I think Madison would have would have been probably, you know, would have had a part of that, given how early that was. And given he'd only left two months before, um, he, he would have been involved in that. But the other the new the other new person in, involved is is Johan Lang. And I think the big the big reason why I talk about structure now is because I think, you know, Fabio was was running the transfers and, but he also had a lot of people around him, kind of underneath him, that would essentially just report to Fabio. Whereas, you know, and that was first team and, and youth. Um, so I think maybe you could probably say that the academy and the youth team kind of got a little bit lost in in that period. Um, so that's why you know 
really key. You mentioned Simon Davis. Simon Davis is now overseeing the academy, um, and he's completely across that. But he'll be joined up with with Johan Lang as well. And you mentioned Rob McKenzie, and all you know, all three of them will be reporting to to Scott Munn, and then Scott will be reporting to Daniel. So it feels like now you've got a real clear structure, um, whereas before it would have just been Daniel and Fabio running running everything essentially. Um, and I think with modern football, and especially you know the Premier League. There's just too much going on now to to have you know, so few people you know really at, in charge at the top. Um, you know, Spurs have got loads of the, the guy the name escapes me, but when Johan Lang joined, he, he took someone else with him as well from Aston Villa. It wasn't just Rob McKenzie. Um, it was another guy that's very big on data, and I think that's a big thing that Spurs have now. I think that probably did start last season, but Spurs have really moved towards data led. Um, that's definitely in, in Johan's kind of repertoire. Um, and you know, as, as I say, Andrew's kind of you know unprompted spoken quite a few times about Johan now and, and how impressed he was with getting. I think he was really behind the team over Werner deal. Um, and I believe I read Alistair Goldson that, that Johan and, and Rob were, were in Italy to watch Dragasin um last month before, before that deal got over the line. So I think the clear the clear structure of Spurs now is that Johan Lang is is the main man when it comes to the transfers, but he's got a lot of key individuals around him that also are supporting him. So rather than just being Fabio spinning loads of plates and and everyone kind of trying to fit in between, you've you've now got a, a clear structure and and a clear and everyone's got a clear role. I think um, which, which is which is key, isn't it? Because you know if with Fabio being the main man as I guess he was, you know people underneath him are not really getting you know, much of a, a looking or maybe that they're not feeling as, as sort of praised as, as they should be for the job they're doing. And now it's, it doesn't feel like there's one sole person. There's a lot, a lot of people, a lot of parts all sort of working together to, to get the car running, I guess. Are you surprised though, George, about the level of control now that Andrew's got, particularly when other win now managers, very proven managers, didn't get that control? I guess so, but... It... You know, with, with Antonio, I, I mean, I wasn't covering the club with Jose, so I can't speak so much about him. But with Antonio, you know, he did he did get a lot of players that he did want. Um, he didn't get all the players he wanted. Um, you know, Bastoni was a big one, wasn't he? He clearly wanted him and didn't get him. Got Clement Longley, but you know, Conte did get Perisic. Um, you know, Richarlison, by all accounts, was someone that he wanted. Um, I'm trying to think now, Tom Head. I mean, Basuma. Didn't didn't use him, so maybe that that is not not yeah. as, not as much. Um, and obviously, Jed Spence is the infamous infamous one. But then, you know, by all counts, Antonio was in the meetings with Jed Spence, trying to convince him to join. So it's kind of one of those. I, I definitely think Ange probably at the minute has got more control, it seems, than Antonio did. But then also, you know, you, you've got to, you've got to give Ange credit from that point of view because Ange said either last month or a couple of weeks back. I will give the green light to a signing. I'm not going to sign anyone that I don't want because at the end of the day, the responsibility is on me. That's my signing. You know, so if anyone that comes through the building has got to fit my style of football. And that's what Antonio didn't do. Antonio allowed players to come in probably because he needed a body. Um, and a lot of managers do work like that. I think Jose probably would have, would have been the same. But he'd allow that person to come in and, and then say, that's not the player I want. Well, suppose we've just spent X amount of money on that player. So you can't now get the other player that you want. Um, so there's a little bit, you know, there's a little bit of um, kidology, I guess, when it comes to stuff like this. But I, I think Ange has probably gained control quickly because he would have been heavily involved in the signings in the summer 
where there was yeah. no director of football. You know, Johan Lang wasn't in by that point. And, and whilst Fabio was was helping and from the consultancy point of view and was the new new name in, in the building and had a big say over everything. And all of those signings have really hit the ground. You know, Mickey, Vicario, Madison. You know, I'm forgetting people here, but they've all come in and done done really well. And so you look at Ange and say, well, actually, look, he's, you know, he's, Sort of list of targets that have all come off, so we have to back him again. Um, so, you, so this summer you go for Dragasin, or this window, so you go for Dragasin. And I, I guess Ange would have been the big driving factor behind getting those deals early. Um, and you know, I'm sure Antonio Conte would have wanted signings early, I'm sure Jose would have wanted signings early, but I guess probably the on pitch results at, at those times maybe didn't meet. I mean, thinking back to last January. You know, it was very doom and gloom around Spurs. You know, come back after the World Cup and lost at home to Aston Villa. It didn't feel, you know, you didn't feel like Spurs were going anywhere. The previous January, Antonio would have just come in and that was when Spurs were going through their crazy period of win, lose, win, lose. So there wasn't that kind of real clear pathway forward that you could see. Um, and that's the other thing, you know, if you need to trust the manager. You know, if you don't trust that manager's going to be there for the long run, you're not going to give the players. Um, I think that would have come into with Antonio for sure. George, if I was to ask you the question, um, do you think that Maurizio Pochettino, Jose Mourinho and Antonio Conte, do you think they were fully backed by the board whilst they were there? Um, I mean, if I'd say no, no. Even if he was going through one by one. Um, I think Antonio would have been the most backed out of all of them, personally. Um, he clearly didn't get certain signings, but I mean, Poch went a whole whole season about signing the player. So certainly not. Um five hundred and eighteen days it was. Yeah. Um was it Lucas Lucas Moore was the last one in the in the January and then it was the summer and then the following January. Um um Jose oh, I'm trying to think I mean Jose obviously didn't get all the people he wanted, but he did get some some signings, didn't he? Um yeah Hoyberg would have been one of one of his signings. Um maybe Gareth Bale not so much. But um but no I don't think but even now, you know, probably, you know, Ange probably wants, you know, probably in the summer, Ange wanted another centre back, but Spurs didn't get him. So was that was that Spurs not backing him, or, or was that just kind of realistic? Um, and also, Ange and lost Harry Kane, so it's, you know, it feels yeah. like Ange has been really backed, but actually, out of, out of all of them, he was the one that lost Harry Kane. So, so yeah, it's hard to, you know, no manager is ever going to be completely backed, but it certainly feels like right now, Ange has been. Probably the quickest than all than all the other guys, um, but he's also shown very quickly what he can do. So I think that kind of goes hand in hand. One thing, George, certainly in my opinion, I think that um, not only have we got good signings in and early in both windows under Postecoglou so far, but of course we're getting players out the door. You know, players are coming back and then they're going straight out on loan. I, I, we'll come on to these players in a second. But um, as I said earlier, day 23 of the window, we've got two players in, uh, Radu Dragusin and, of course, Timo Werner. What have you made of these two signings? And uh, do you think they're going to make that dramatic impact for Spurs from now until the end of the season? Yeah, I, I really like the Dragusin signing. Um, read a lot about him, obviously seen clips um, as well, but... That, that seems a really good sign. It, it sort of fits the mould, doesn't it, what we're trying to do, another Mickey van der Ven. Um, and he, you know, I think the Romanian van Dijk, he was sort of being dubbed either back in Romania or, or by his sort of Genoa teammates. And he's got so many good attributes. Um, and Ange said something a couple of weeks ago 
Um, it must have been again before the Man United game about how you know there was a, there was a Romanian journalist actually at, at the press conference and he and he asked Ange about five questions about Dragosin um, and Ange and Ange is really good and one of them was are you going to now play three centre backs and surely Radu yeah. has to start um, and Ange took that in, in good humour but but actually you know what he did say during one of those answers was that Radu actually allows us to kind of play differently and and also it gives us a different option. Um, and I don't exactly know what he meant by that, but instantly I did kind of think, well, Mickey van der Ven and Christian Mir are, are brilliant. But actually, if you're playing a team, a set-piece team, you know, by all accounts, Dragosin is a set-piece beast. You think, you no, know, next time Spurs play West Ham, maybe you do put Dragosin in ahead of Mickey van der Ven, per se, just because he's so good in the air and you know there's, you're going to have an aerial bombardment because Dragosin is brilliant with that. Um, and, and I guess also, you know, I don't personally think Spurs will be playing free at the back anytime soon. But Ange has done that before. Um, and I think, you know, if we're looking long-term, Dragosin's, you know, definitely going to play loads of games next season if we're assuming Spurs are in Europe, you know, hopefully Champions League, but could be Europa League. Um, and, and Spurs, you know, look at all these top clubs, you know, Man City, you know, Liverpool, um, even now, Liverpool have had injuries, you know, they've all got, you know, three or four really, really good centre-backs. Um, and you just need that rotation. And especially with, you know, Christian's disciplinary record, you know, Mickey mm-hmm. van der had the hamstring injury, you know, there's going to be games. Um, so, yeah, Radisson, um, Radu Dragosin, I could see see why he ticked so many boxes. Um, Timo Werner, I think, I, I think it makes a lot of sense in this window. Um, with Spurs needing an, another another forward option, um, and maybe you, maybe it's not the month where you can spend a lot of money and get an absolute sort of elite player, um, especially in in January as well. So I think it makes a lot of sense. Um, I guess in that Man United game we saw, you know, the pros and cons of Timo Werner, but I do think he will suit Angie's style of football, and and I don't know. Part of me does, you know, does think you know when you look at his career. Um, just before he joined Chelsea, he scored 20, 25 goals. But actually, that's kind of the outlier in his career. Generally, he's kind of been a, a 10-goal-a-season person, you know, playing out wide, coming in, um, assist as well. And you only have to kind of look at the reaction of the Chelsea fans. You know, they, Even though his record doesn't look good there, I think it's 10 yeah. Premier League goals and 56 starts, they really, really sort of have a lot of respect for him. And he was a key part of their Champions League winning team. So there's clearly a good player there. And I, and I can't remember exactly the exact figure. I think it was somewhere between 13 million or 17 million. It can be made permanent. Um, I do wonder if, it, if he does well for these next few months, you know, scores four, maybe five goals, gets a few assists. He could, you could easily sign him. Um, and, and, it, and it's just a backup option when it comes to rotating players. Because this is the big thing with Angie's football. He's, he's not really had the options to do it because of the injuries. But when he first took over, and I was speaking to people at Selwyn, they were saying, I'll oh, be ready for the substitutions, you know, 60 minute, 70 minute mark. He always makes substitutions. He always brings players on because the the relentless style of his attacking football just absolutely knackers, knackers people. And you need to make those subs to to carry on for, for a whole 90 minutes. Um and I think, you know, with Timo Werner's pace, and if he can, if he can build up his confidence again, he, he could be a really good option off the bench, I'm thinking. I, I don't envisage him being Tottenham's starting. You know, left or, or or right forward for the next you know two three seasons. You know he's twenty seven now, so he's you know not exactly past it. But I just don't see him being that that sort of type of player. But I definitely think he's got a role as as someone off the bench. Um, 
you know, going forward if he's going to stay long term. And uh, a lot of people said at the time it, it just kind of feels a, a you know a no lose deal that you know if he doesn't do well, well, Spurs haven't lost a lot because it's a loan sign and you can send him back to RB Leipzig. George, of course, we know Ange Postacoglu loves a versatile player. Timo Werner can play on the left, play on the right and through the middle. From what you know of his uh, days at Chelsea and, of course, RB Leipzig, what would you say his best position is? Because he must feel that he's going to get a lot of game time. And, of course, I think it's wonderful that you're bringing in a player extremely hungry because he wants to play in the Euros in the summer. So he's going to give absolutely everything, isn't he? Yeah, absolutely. I think... Um, I think... Um, wide left is generally where he's played. I think he was kind of he was brought in as as that kind of he can play in that area. You know, I guess at this point Kulusevski would be on the right, Richarlison would be down the middle, Werner would, would be out left um, for this month, it, and obviously February whilst on sort away. Um, so I think he's the kind of backup left option. Um, and yeah, he's got he's got a lot to play for. I mean, I don't don't think he'll get in that Germany squad. Um, but especially, you know, we're going to come on to the FA Cup. If Spurs can get through against Man City, then then all of a sudden the, the games will kind of, you know, come thick and fast and Spurs will need to sort of rotate options. And if he can score a couple of goals in the FA Cup and help Spurs win, um, you know, could be could go down as another famous German, Jürgen Klinsmann, as a, if he can do that. So, yeah, I, I think there's there's a lot of, lot of upside to this, to that deal. Um, and like I say, you know, could... Could go wrong. He, he might might fail to score and play ten appearances, and and no one remembers him in two years' time. But I, I think he I think he would do fairly well actually. Um, and also, it kind of gives you know gives Johnson a bit bit of rest. Now we are getting players back. Um, you know, Madison hopefully back either for Man City or, or Brentford. So, and he you know he's played a lot of games and got a little bit of criticism lately. You know, a little bit of it justified, but I think. You know, he's, he's a young player and probably wouldn't have expected to play so many games in such a quick period of time. Now having Werner means you can you know, bring him off the bench and give him 20 minutes, which might suit him for the next couple of weeks. George, can you believe we last won the FA Cup in 1991? And of course, we face Manchester City, the European champions, the world champions, the Premier League champions on Friday evening. Um, Haaland's back in training. Um He's going to feature, surely. And James Madison's back in training. Hopefully, he will feature. How confident are you that James Madison and Haaland will play in this match? Um, I'd, if I was to put my mortgage on it, I reckon they'll both be on the bench, I think. Um, I'm not 100% sure about Madison. Obviously, I've seen this clip of him today. Um, and he, he's clearly getting some sort of treatment on his ankle. But I, I did speak to a, a medical expert, I know, Um and he was saying, you know, that that kind of, um, I'm trying to think of the terminology he used. I think game game ready. I think he, he said it's just kind of a, a device that essentially pumps cold, you know, water or kind of ice um, it, to the muscle uh, or to the to the part of the body where where it's strapped to. Um, so you know that could be after his return to full training, but it could also be part of his part of his rehab still. Um, but Ange said two weeks ago that. He should be returning to full training this week. Um, and we saw with Richarlison, didn't we, at Man City, that he was on the bench when, I can't remember yeah. how fit Ange described him as, but he wasn't 100%. He'd come on for the last five minutes. I, I imagine, given it's a cup game, given it's a one-off, that Madison will be on the bench almost no matter what, just as if you need to chuck him on for five minutes, even if he just has to take a set piece, then, then it's kind of worth it. Um, and yeah, he'll be massive. What, you know, you can just all, almost picture the kind of noise 
when he comes on for that first time. It's, it's going to be like a hero's reception. And he's only played 10, 11 games with the club. But what he did in those 10, 11 games was so significant. And he kind of almost embodied the new Tottenham as well. Um, so, you know, they'll be really special when he does come back. And, you know, they'll have potentially Haaland. Um, they definitely will have Kevin De Bruyne. Um, but it's going to be a great game. And I, and I almost kind of like it. It's a Friday night. Um, I don't from the point of view that, you know, really the FA Cup, cheaper tickets, that's where kids should be getting getting to the games. Um, but hopefully the, the mums and dads will let, let the kids come, have a late late night on a Friday. Um, but yeah, being a Friday night, it's going to be a really good atmosphere. And Man City don't enjoy it at Tottenham, do they? So let's, fingers crossed, that, that carries on one more time. <laughs> I'll, I'll take it. I'll take it on Friday, even if we lose in the April game. I'll, I'll take it. Well, of course, George, you journalists love some stats. Five times, five visits to the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, Manchester City, five defeats. They haven't scored a goal. Um, and by the way, that that game against City on Friday it sold out so so quickly. So I don't think there'll be uh, there'll be many families there because they a lot of them were in the queue and sadly they didn't get a ticket. Um, but what is your hunch for this? Uh, this Friday, do you think that Spurs will do it? Do you think that Spurs could perhaps go on to lift the FA Cup in May because it has been such a long time? Uh, yeah, I dream of it every year. I, re- I really do. I say to everyone, oh, I feel like I feel like this is year we'll do the FA Cup. Um, oh, I think you know I'm generally quite optimistic when it comes to Spurs. I don't know why, but I think if I look at it from that sort of lens. I think you do want to play a big team early on. You know, I don't think Spurs want to play Man City at Wembley in the semi-final. You know, I, I don't think that suits that suits Spurs. You want to play them early. You want to play them at your ground. Obviously, Man City don't enjoy playing the Spurs, but you know, diff, the, that was under different, a different, very different style of football. But I do think you know it'll be a really good game. And if I was to be hard pressed, I imagine it'd probably be a draw, just the way the way it will, will bloody work. But I think Spurs will throw everything at it, um, and they, they'll take a lot of confidence from the Man United performance, you know, because the team have been completely wiped out with illness. Obviously, we mentioned you know missing five or six players. You know, Madison, who hopefully is back on the bench. You know, Benton Core looked brilliant in that game. You know, Richarlison got another goal. Um, you know, Werner will be a little bit more up to speed after two weeks of training with the team. You know, Mickey Van Der Ved and Romero should be. You know, one hundred percent. Then, um, if they weren't, if they weren't for the Man United game, so you know, there's a lot of things in in Spurs' favour, and I think you know, Man City looked pretty ominous winning at Newcastle two weeks ago. But if we're being you know totally honest, that the FA Cup is the bottom of their priorities. The FA Cup's probably the top of our priorities for this season. Um, you know, at least it should be, and it does feel like Ange. You know, Ange has spoken before about. How he, used to be an eight, nine-year-old, wake up in the middle of the night and watch the FA Cup final with his dad. So this competition means a hell of a lot to him. Um, so I imagine he'll go strong. Um, and if Man City do decide to tweak things, given they'll be playing the mid, the following midweek like Spurs, then there's every chance Spurs can get through. Um, I mean, managed a three-all draw at the Etihad with, with a back four of fullbacks. So, you know. Yeah. Madison, Madison comes off the bench and it's the winner. I'll uh, I'll dream of that tonight. George, of course, Ange Postacoglu went with his strongest possible eleven in round three. 
uh, in the one nil win against Burnley, um, which was an absolute delight for me because, you know, the FA Cup means a lot to me. And I can't believe every single time I say that, that 1991 was the last time we won the FA Cup, which, of course, a record eighth time at the time. Uh, it just seems crazy. All those years have passed and Spurs haven't won the FA Cup. Um, do you think that he will go um, seriously in every single round that we are in? in this competition, not only for this season, but perhaps in future seasons under Postacoglu. And in your opinion, earlier on in the season in the League Cup, when he made 10 changes against Fulham, were you as a Spurs fan and a journalist surprised by that level of, uh, you know, the amount of changes that he made? He came out and said that it wasn't a mistake. It was, uh, you know, he wanted to test players out. Do you think he made a mistake earlier on in the season? Uh, yeah, I, th I think he did. Um, I think in hindsight, I think in hindsight he probably would have made six or seven. Um, you know, that's certainly what I expected. I expected maybe seven max, more likely five or six changes. Um, I didn't think he needed to completely overhaul it. Um, I think it was only Mickey Van der Ven, wasn't it, that, that played? Yeah, that played the previous game um, at Bournemouth. I think it was, wasn't it? So. Yeah, I felt like that was... I understood why he had to make the changes he did because certain players needed minutes. You know, Lacelso needed minutes. Um, Hoiberg needed minutes. You know, Davison Sanchez needed minutes. Or at that time, it felt like all those guys needed a game to sort of stay in the groove. Um, and I think actually Spurs not being in that competition, albeit everyone has said, you know, oh, we haven't had a big fixture pile-up, which is great because we've had all these injuries. Actually, the guys that then come in weren't kind of ready when, when they did get their opportunity. Um, so if Spurs had carried on in the Carrow Cup, it, I think it would have helped for that that period in November. Um, but yeah, I think it was I think it was a mistake to to make so many changes. I, I knew he would make changes. I understand why he made changes, but I think it probably should have been capped to sort of you know six or seven. Um, but you know, I think looking ahead to this one, yeah, I, I do think he will go strong. Um, I really do. You know, he kind of said a little bit similar to Mauricio, you know, Mauricio Pochettino had that kind of, you know, famous quote where he says, you know, winning winning trophies isn't going to, you know, winning the FA Cup or the League Cup isn't going to change anything for Spurs. You know, we need to go for the big, big, the big um, titles, talking about the Premier League and the Champions League. And I never really agreed with him until Spurs made the Champions League final. And I went out there and kind of experienced that whole, you know, how incredible that was. And then I kind of got what he meant because it was such a big thing. People still talk about Tottenham being a Champions League finalist. You know, they don't talk about Tottenham being a League Cup finalist from 2021. Yeah. But I do think, you know, and Ange didn't say the same, but he did kind of say, you know, if Spurs won the FA Cup 1-0 every round playing crap football, it wouldn't, that wouldn't actually mean anything for him. It's all about the performance and the progress and playing that style of football. But I do think it could be a, you know, if Spurs can find a way through this game, especially with some of the teams that are already out, you know, Arsenal are already out, one of Chelsea or or um, Aston Villa will go out. Um, you know, I think there's another all prem game which is which is quite favourable. Might be Brighton have got somebody that you know they could potentially go out. Then all of a sudden it really does open up. And if Spurs could win a trophy, I have always kind of felt that actually, you know. Jose Mourinho was quite famous for doing it with Chelsea. Um, and even going further back, Brian Clough always viewed the League Cup as an important competition to win just to get the winning mentality in. Um, so I would, I think it'd be great if if, if Postacoglu could go all out for it. Um, and I, I do think he will, you know, even 
you know, Spurs do get through that fifth round games a midweek. Um, I think it's last week of February. So I can't think what Premier League games would be in between. But I think regardless of who it is, he would still go strong because he, you know, he's, he's got a real affinity with the FA Cup, even though he's, you know, you know born in Greek and born in Greece and you know, grew up in Australia. It's a competition that means a lot to him, um, means a lot to his family. Um, so I think he he will. There is kind of a you know symbolic meaning to it that maybe other managers you know wouldn't exactly have seen in the past, and they would have prioritised top four. Um, I, I think he'll, he'll he'll do his utmost to try and win it. George, the whole top four thing and winning a trophy, particularly the FA Cup. When you look back, um, you know days like Pochettino and Jose and Antonio Conte, they all made major changes in key cup games, which, of course, we ended up going out. Colchester, uh, Pochettino took the likes of Ericsson, put him on the bench. Rather than getting the job done, they then try and put the players on to get the job done. And then, of course, we go out the competition. Uh, Conte uh, made changes. Jose Mourinho made changes. It's just, it's frustrating to all Tottenham Hotspur fans because I think a lot of Spurs fans want the cup competitions taken seriously. Do you think, though, that, Ange would have probably learnt from that with previous managers because I know, you know, I watch every single press conference and, you know, watch and listen to everything he says. And he says that he he doesn't really take into account what's happened before. But him going forward as the Spurs head coach, you know, I just feel like some manager needs just to come in and just grab the opportunity of trying to win a trophy like the FA Cup. Do you think that the club is is more... Um, prioritising top four rather than a competition like the FA Cup. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theatres May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. I definitely think that's been the case in the past. Um, you know, the, the Conte one last season was... Yeah, that that was the kind of straw that broke the camel's back for me to make all those changes for Sheffield United. Yeah, because you've got Wolves away three days later, and you end up losing the Wolves away anyway. You know, to have Harry Kane on the bench in that game, just yeah, that was I just couldn't understand that at all, especially with the way the season was going. Um, I, you know, I'm not. Sure, I, I don't think I'd ever say that that's kind of a club directive. You know, the, the club are saying to the manager, "Oh, you know, top forward's a priority. Don't worry about the FA Cup." I just think it's kind of been a subconscious thing that's been in the club for for the last few years, and and I under, probably understood it. You know, maybe ten years ago when Spurs were trying to be a top four club and they weren't a top four club. Now that they kind of have become a top four club, um, albeit the last few seasons a little a little bit more in and out, you know. Now the step is that you do need to win competitions. You need to be a winning club, not just a top four club. Um, but, you know, Angie's very authentic. And I, I do think he, I don't think he'd, he'd bat an eyelid at what Conte, 
Mourinho and Postino have done. I honestly don't think he'd look at that Sheffield United and be like, oh, well, I need to learn from that. He'll he'll have his own ideas. Um, and he had his own ideas for the Fulham game and the League Cup. You know, he had to give minutes to players. That was his, that was the forefront of his mind, as well as going through, but he knew he had to give minutes to players. Um, I don't think it's quite that situation now. I mean, I don't, you know, probably, there probably will be times where he, he makes a handful of changes, but I don't think he's going to do anything like he did for the Fulham game. And, you know, obviously he can't for Man City. But if Spurs got through against Man City and then they've got, I don't know, I'm trying to think of a random club that's still left in it. That's that's low league. If, if you know Maidstone, um, I'm actually doing that game. Ipswich Maidstone, so I can't see Maidstone winning. But you know, save all of Sun Spurs have got Maidstone in in round five. I don't think he's going to make eleven changes. He'd, he'd still make. He'd still play a strong team. Um, so uh, yeah, I, I just think he he knows how important the FA Cup is. Um, and I guess that's the thing. Maybe you know the Carabao Cup just isn't doesn't have that level of importance. Um, you know, I guess understandably so to an extent. But you know, all Spurs fans would take that as a competition to win. But yes, yeah, so it's all eyes on the FA Cup at the minute. Um, and I don't think if you know if Spurs lose on Friday night, I don't think it'll be you know because they've they've kind of decided that they need to prioritise going for the league. You know, they'll be going all out to try and get through in that game. George, before we talk about um, names either in or out, um, just want to ask you your opinion on financial fair play because there's not a lot going on in this January transfer window so far um, with lots of Premier League clubs. Um, did you expect it to be so quiet? And, you know, what what is happening with financial fair play for those who don't really know a lot about it? Yeah, I mean, I'll be honest, I'm not the completely most clued up, but I've kind of read into the Everton case Um and I believe, you know, I, I certainly oh, I can't recall when he would have said this, but Daniel Levy did definitely mention this. It might have been in, in his Cambridge chat last year or maybe the year before, but he did kind of mention that, you know, clubs, there's, there's going to be a lot kind of more stringent financial um, control on clubs. And, it, and it's coming in. I think UEFA, he was, he was talking about UEFA at that point, but UEFA's rules have, have now are now going to be kind of, you know, sinking in with with the Premier League and, and the FA's rules. Um, I guess the general gist of it, from what I understand, is you know, looking at the Everton case, I think you you're allowed to lose sixty million a year, um, and and they've exceeded, and then you have that over a three year basis. Um, and and the guess the issue, you know, the the good thing for Spurs is Spurs have just sold Harry Kane. Um, so, you know, they're all of a sudden there's 100 million there straight away that Spurs have taken, pure profit as well. Um, so from that point of view, it's, you know, the the profit and sustainability is not going to be a problem. But then also, you know, the stadium is an absolute money spinner. Um, and, you know, it may be Spurs that they get through the COVID period to kind of get out the other side of it because, you know, they obviously had probably 18 months almost without, you know, being formed, being used to its absolute maximum capacity. But now it is. Um, you know, Spurs are always going to be, you know, making, or if they're not making a profit, but obviously they are, then they're definitely not going to be losing money. Um, and a lot of football clubs are losing money. So, you know, you would kind of hope over the next few years, if, if this kind of carries on, that, you know, Spurs' stadium, which obviously a lot of sacrifice and a lot of effort went into building, can be, can be the real game changer. Um, and, you know, I guess a club like Newcastle that have got these Saudi owners that everyone kind of fears will do a Man City. I guess they can't because there is a limit to what they're to what they're actually bringing in. Um, 
and they have to kind of cut their cloth accordingly, as we've kind of seen in this window. You know, I think a lot of people thought Newcastle would probably try and spend their way out of trouble. Um, yeah. It seems like they can't because of the finances and potentially they're going to be selling, you know, if it's not Kieran Tripper, it's going to be Miguel Almiron. Um, so they're actually weakening themselves to to kind of stay within the limit. Um, I think Chelsea, you know, are not exactly in the exact same boat, but, you know, Chelsea aren't going to be spending big money this month because of similar issues. So, um, so yeah, I mean, going forward, it, it feels quite positive, I suppose, but I do know the rules are going to change at the end of this season. Uh, I'm not 100% sure what they're changing to. Um, I don't think it's going to be hugely drastic change, but, you know, probably will make some sort of impact um, and it would be different to what it obviously is now. George, Daniel Levy has had a lot of positive comments on the likes of Twitter, which I, I'm not used to seeing, you know, in, in the past couple of months, certainly with this uh, financial fair play uh, situation right now. From the money uh, from the concerts and all the other events at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, um, can you imagine and, and, and is it going to be realistic that Spurs are going to have a lot more money to spend in future windows. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I feel, I feel like Spurs probably have, haven't they? The last, you know, we look at the summer win. I guess you know, look at the last two seasons. Spurs, you know, the money has gone up, hasn't it? You know, obviously there was the year where there was nothing under Mauricio, but you know, under Joe, so they started to spend, you know, a little bit more than what what we had before. But you know, if you think back to Summer of 2022, Richarlison come in for 60 million. Then um, yeah. you know, Basuma would have come in. I think that was around 25 million. You know, so Spurs kind of spent over 100 million that summer. Um, obviously, this summer they spent you know around at least 150 million, maybe more than that. Can't think off the top of my head. Obviously, that's caveat a little bit by Harry Kane. Um, but then you've also had the Januarys where Kulusevski and Bentacle come in, Poro the year before, um, so the year after. So yeah, I think. You know, Spurs have probably probably been kind of ready to do this, um, and I and I think again they'll they'll go fairly big in the summer. You know, I don't expect I don't think Spurs are ever going to be a club that you know, you know, Man City do Man City Man City spend kind of you know seventy five million on on um, Gavi Dahl is a lot of money, wasn't it? On him, I don't think Spurs are ever going to be be a club that spends seventy five million on a centre back, but I think we are going to be a club that looks to now do. You know, a fifty million, a sixty million, which obviously you know, happened in the past with Lacelso and um, and Dombele, but Spurs really got burned by those deals. Um, but I think every summer, really, you should kind of expect, given the stadium and given all the extra revenue that's coming in, that Spurs are capable of going out and signing a big, a big player. Um, you know, whether that's a player that's up, up and coming, like a Mickey Van der Ven, or I guess James Madison sort of kind of fits with a forty million signing. Um, you know, Spurs are going to be capable of doing that, I believe. Um, and, and I guess that hasn't been the case, has it? You know, if we go back maybe three years, um, you know, maybe if we go back before COVID, obviously that, you know, Tottenham had just moved into the stadium. So everyone was anticipating that, yeah, the season after we'll then get, we'll reap the kind of, um, you know, the sows of our seeds. But then COVID come along and, and did obviously affect things. Um, but now with, Touch with nothing like that happens for a long time. Um, yeah, there should be, you know, should be more more to play with, certainly from Manchester's point of view. George, um, of course, Spurs are being heavily linked at the moment, are in talks with uh, Club Bruges about Antonio Nusa. 
what do you make of this potential signing? 18-year-old winger, uh, one for the future. Um, lots of clubs seem to be looking at him at the moment. How confident are you that Tottenham will get this one over the line? Um, it's certainly the one that they, they want to do um, this month. It's, you know, obviously Radha Dragosin and Timo Werner were kind of the, the first half of the window and the second half has clearly been focused on him. Um, you know, I, I don't think I would panic too much that, you know, I think it was sort of last week, wasn't it, when the talks were kind of, it, that, that news broke and it feels like nothing's happened since, but... I, you know, not every transfer is going to be blow by blow. Um, and the Dragosin deal took, you know, quite, a, felt like, it was actually a short period of time, but it felt like a saga that, didn't it, in the end? Yeah. Um, so, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't sort of worry too much that not, not a lot's happened the last few days, but I suppose clearly want Antonio Nuzza. Um And, you know, I can't remember if it was, I think it must have been in the summer or maybe it was in towards the end of last season, Spurs were kind of mentioned, you know, with New Newser as well. So it's clearly one that's been on the radar a long time. Um, and he's a really exciting player, as you just touched upon, you know, scoring his Champions League debut, scoring his Nor Norwegian debut, you know, 18 years old and, you know, got bags of potential. Um, you know, I think dubbed the, the sort of the Norwegian name, I think, by, uh, you know, by his sort of club teammates. So, I think, you know, I think if I was to sort of stick my neck in the line, I think Spurs probably will get this done, um, especially with it being a loan, a loan to go back that kind of suits Club Bruges. Um, and I don't think, you know, realistically, then I don't think they're going to get, you know, they, they want 30, it sounds like they want 30 million euros. Um, I don't think it'll probably be that, but they're realistically probably not going to get that from anyone else, um, you know, unless you know, maybe a, a, you know, a Liverpool all of a sudden come into the, the equation. But, you know, Newcastle were mentioned today, but I don't think they'll have that sort of money for, for an 18-year-old. Um, and Chelsea had a bid rejected in the summer, I believe, last day of the, last day of the window. But I um, don't think he would be their priority. And uh, again, I'm not sure, you know, that they there's necessarily going to have 30, 30 million for an 18-year-old. So I suppose it seemed like... There's certainly a lot of clubs that want him, but Spurs seem like they've got a pretty good run at it. Um, and the way these things kind of work, you know, I don't think any bids gone in yet, but the talks indicate that they're they're going to be moving towards that. Um, and maybe this will be the one that is the deadline day deal that Spurs always seem to do. Um, so I, I definitely think it's one. You know, it, I think it probably will happen, but if it doesn't happen, I'd imagine that'll be one that they they really want to get get sorted for the summer at, at the bare minimum. George, we want to talk about our um, our record club signing. Um, Tongi on Dombele, of course, is out on loan at Galatasaray right now. The last couple of days, um, well, he actually got his first assist um, at the weekend uh, for his, his, his side in his 17th appearance for them so far this season. Um, but in the last couple of days, there are a lot of pictures going around online of him looking quite overweight what do you make of the Tongi on Dombele situation? Because clearly, a fantastic player there. You know, he's had a couple of loan spells. He's he's delivered very little at Spurs. You know, when you think of that price tag, um, you know, record signing at the football club. What do you think the the future holds for him? Do you think he's going to end up coming back in the summer? Of course, Galatasaray do have a buy option, but it don't really sound like that's going to happen. Yeah, he'll be back in the summer. Oh, I can I can always guarantee that. Um, oh, 
it's 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 probably sad, isn't it? Really, more than anything else. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people, a lot of people are sort of you know poking fun at him, and you know that to an, and you know there's an element to it. You know, he's, he's a guy with ex, you know, supremely talented. Should be doing a lot more of his with his ability. Um, clearly not disciplined, but you know, I guess we've seen you know other other scenarios. You don't know what's going on with with players. You know, it's, it's very easy to kind of judge it black and white. You know, don't know what's going on with him behind the scenes, but. You know, I guess what is black and white is he's clearly not made the most of his ability, certainly for Spurs and certainly for other clubs. Um, I think, realistically, he'll come back in the summer. I would I would be almost, I'd say 99% Ange will not be running the rule over him. He's already done that. Clearly seen that he's, he's not a player for him. Um, so Spurs will be doing everything they can to get him out on the door probably on another loan because no one's going to pay the money. Um, and what will probably happen is he'll leave on a free. What did he sign? Did he sign a six-year deal? I think I think it would have been a six-year deal. So he'll probably leave on a free 2025. And sadly, probably probably be retired by 30, I reckon. Um, because if it's gone the way it's gone so far, you struggle to see a way back from that. You struggle to see where it's going to click and where where he's going to find. Um, you know, hopefully he does. Hopefully he does find a club where he, where they can get the best out of him. But he's gone on a, a fair few loans now, and it's just not happened. And aside from a, a little period under Jose, when you know he scored a really wonderful goal didn't it? Sheffield Sheffield United, and it just yeah. looked very good that that kind of COVID period when when football restarted. Um, you know, aside from that, we've seen nowhere near enough. Um, and you know, personally, I've always been in the camp when it comes to him and the Celso because they are chucked together. You know, signed the same summer, both record signings. I've always seen it in the Celso. I've always seen the potential in the Celso. Um, I've always kind of struggled to see it with Ndombele because just kind of that lack of application um which you which you see on on the pitch let alone off the pitch you know you, you have an idea of what he's like on the pitch with, with that kind of lack of application so you can just imagine what he would be like day to day in in the training ground um so yeah i struggle to see you know i don't see any any redemption arc for uh tank and dombele unfortunately george you mentioned uh giovanni de celso there i, t- I tell you what another frustrating player you know that there's a real player in there of course he always delivers for his country um injuries galore at spurs um do you think there's any chance of him leaving uh either this january or in the summer but you know he's he done a recent interview at, uh, in the match day program and said how you know settled he feels now in england and now he wants to you know play under Ange. he's very excited about playing under Ange, but with the amount of injuries that he's had, do you think that he may end up leaving Tottenham? Uh, I don't think he'll leave this uh, this window. So certainly not. Um, it, it's a tricky one with Giovanni Celso. I think a lot of it probably comes down to him. You know, if he's happy being at Tottenham, probably being a backup to Madison, so to speak. And, you know, if Spurs are in Europe next season, he'll play plenty of games. Um, you know, probably play thirty games. You know. He might start 15, 20 of them. If he's happy doing that, and and I assume at this point he's still going to be in the Argentinian squad because they they really, really rate him. Um, and understandably so, you know, really real key figure when they won the Copa America. Um, and it was almost sort of a travesty that he wasn't fit for the World Cup, but didn't didn't affect him in the end. 
But I, I think if you know if he's happy being the kind of almost a Madison backup, and you know Madison's not going to play every game, you know next season he's not. He's you know, most players aren't going to you know just that kind of the way Ange's football is. You know you're not really going to get many that play every single minute of every single game. Mm. So there's going to be there's going to be options for him. Um, there's going to be opportunities for him. Sorry. If he's happy with that, then I imagine he will stick around because Ange does seem to like him. Um, I, I kind of wondered if Ange would kind of put him, I guess, in the same bracket as you know Eric Dyer and Hoiberg. You know, after he'd had those injuries in the first half of the season, but we kind of saw it with the Aston Villa game. You know, really good goal, and you know, again at Man City, um, we have seen glimpses of Lacelso, and I, I think probably Ange can see that. And it's you know maybe a case of making him durable enough to play Angie's style of football. Um, but clearly, there's a talented player there. Probably not, you know, he's, he's probably never going to realistically justify his price tag. But you almost kind of need to forget that now and just view him as a as a component in this squad and what he can do for this squad and how key he can be. And like I say, certainly Spurs are in Europe next season. He's someone that would probably suit Europe. Actually, um, he's, yeah, he's, you know, football's been. You know, been back in La Liga, hasn't it? Um, or certainly on the European stage, um, international stage. So, you know, I think as a as an option in Europe, as a player off the bench, it, it certainly could work. It's just whether he's happy with that. I don't think, you know, fitness wise, and I guess the options in front of him is he's going to be a, a first first team starter in Angie's team. So, if he's happy staying at Spurs, and it does seem, as you say, you mentioned that the program. He's done an interview as well with Christian Romero over the just been published over the last few days and again seems really, really happy at Spurs. Um and I know clearly Barcelona do want him, Xavi do want him, but Spurs are not going to loan him out now. In no chance. Um and Barcelona don't have the money to to sign him on a permanent. So so yeah, he'll be here for the second half of the season. And I I do think yeah, there's a decent chance he could stick around for, for next season as well. George, one other player who seems very happy at the club right now is Emerson Royale. Um, he's had opportunities under Ange Postacoglu because of the injuries and suspensions that we've had. You even mentioned that um, uh, Manchester City game at the Etihad where he played centre-back. Um, a £20 million offer has been rejected from Al Nasser. Um, Al Nasser apparently are now interested in uh, Aaron Wambasaka of Manchester United. What do you make of uh, this situation and can you see Emerson moving on in the summer? Because if I was to ask you as well, do you think he could play in that Pedro Poro role? Yeah. I, oh, when I when I did see that, that news about the rejected bid, you know, I understood why it was rejected, but I did kind of think, how much does Emerson fit in? Long term, um, he's certainly been a valuable, valuable squad player this season. You know, playing centre back as you mentioned, and also played left back on a few occasions. Yeah, but he he can't do the the inverted fullback role as well as Paro, as well as Udogi. Um, Udogi, I guess you know, is that so bad if you've got Udogi on the other side? And he's the one that's really doing it, and Emerson's trying to do it, but maybe not doing it as well. Maybe it's maybe it's not the worst thing in the world. But I guess moving forward, you know, if, if Tottenham want to be a title-winning team, you kind of need two guys in every position that are almost the same level. And at the minute, it certainly feels like Pedro Barra is, a, you know, is a step up on Emerson. So maybe in the summer that that could be one. Um, I think Spurs, you know. Spurs would have sold him last January, I think. Um, if there'd been any offers, I think they would have sold him last January. And in the end, it was it was Matt Doherty that was the one that went. 
but they needed to get rid of a fullback then with, with Porra coming in. And he's kind of, you know, managed to, you know, build a, you know, he's kind of, he's had a redemption arc. Which I, I remember the game when, you know, kind of got booed off, didn't he? Uh, I think that was, I think that might have been Aston Villa. Um, and that was quite sad, actually, for Emerson uh, at that stage. And it felt like there was no way back. Um, sorry, it was the Leeds he game. He has improved, before. though, George, hasn't he? He certainly has improved. Um, but I guess, you know, for 25 million, it's kind of what you want. You know, Poro was Poro was a similar kind of you know price range, really, a little bit more than that. But we see what Poro brings. You know, it never really felt like Emerson can do the same in the final third. Um, yeah. And even though he's, he, like I say, he's been very valuable for Ange from a, you know, a versatility point of view, I'm not sure he's 100% kind of suited to Ange's football. So, while I don't see him going this this January because there's a lack of alternatives at right back, I, I think that could be one in the summer that you know if, if a similar type of bid comes in, then it then it would make sense. Um, and then obviously it leaves Spurs needing to get a fullback, but you know not the not the worst problems to have. I think George before the uh, January transfer window ends on the first of Feb, eleven p.m. Do you think that Brian Hill will still be a Spurs player? No, I don't think he will. No. I think he's one that is disposable. Um, needs to be, you know, that any deal would need to be right for him and the club. I, I don't think the club are just going to accept a loan again. Um, I'm not even sure the club would accept a loan with an option. I, I think there'd almost have to be an obligation in there. But, you know, Brian Hill's been at Spurs, what, since 2021? He's had loan spells away, but, you know, that's a Are lot you surprised, money. George, that they've never loaned him to an English club? Uh, yeah, I'm a little bit. I, I did wonder last season if that would that would be the one that would make sense. You know, send him to Crystal Palace. You know, send him to a team like that. Send him to Bournemouth. Um, but I think he's just not strong enough. Um, we we mm. see that every time he comes on up, and I, I feel reticent to say that because clearly a really really talented player. But certain players just don't kind of can't hack it in England. Um, because it is a physical league, and also it's the speed of the league. You know, when I say physicality, I mean that as you know, not just in terms of your strength. The speed of the league is such a fast-paced league, um, and you do see with Brian Hill and, and other players, I suppose, to an extent. Sometimes, you know, Lacelso can be in his carry. Sometimes they just want one touch too many. And I think he's had enough chances now. I know he's not had a, a real run of games, Brian Hill, but we've we've seen enough cameos to yeah. probably know that I don't think he's 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 going to be the answer. So I could I could definitely see, you know, a Spanish club coming in, loan loan deal with with an obligation at the end of the season. Um, I think that would make a lot of sense. It, you know, especially when Spurs get the players they're going to get back. Um, you know, he's going to kind of struggle to make the bench, let alone get minutes. Um, you know, this is a you know talent, a talented player that will will forge a really good career. He'll, you know, be a very good player in Spain. You know, probably do fairly well in Italy, I think as well. But just don't think the Premier League is suited to him. So, I, yeah, I would expect him to go before before the window shuts. George, what have you made of the Piet Mihoibier situation? Another player that doesn't really suit Ange Ball, but of course, when called upon this season, he has acted professionally, uh, done extremely well. Um, Saudi clubs are apparently interested in him. Do you think he's still going to be a player at the end of this window? And uh, I think, you know, although professional, I think it says, you know, it's written all over his face that he doesn't want to be at Tottenham. 
Uh, yeah, I, it's a little bit similar to Brian Hill again. That you know, Tottenham are not just going to accept any any loan deal for him. I think you know there needs to be a, a real, you know, either permanent or it needs to be a loan with with an obligation again. Um, but I don't, I, I don't see him leaving this window just because of the situation Spurs are in. Um, I mean, I've loosely been following the um, African Cup of Nations. So I'm not hundred percent sure what the situation is like with Bissouma and, and Mali, but I know Pabe Sar's um, gone through. So Spurs are still going to be light of central, central midfielders and obviously Madison's coming back, but you don't know what, what kind of condition he's going to be like. So I just struggle to see Spurs letting him go um, unless they bring the central midfielder in, which could, could happen. I don't think that will happen personally. Um, certainly not a first team ready centre midfielder who's going to be part of the first team squad but um, but no I think Hoiberg stays and then probably gets his move in the summer he'll have a year left then I believe his price would have come down because I think that's the thing you know Spurs have been holding out for a big fee haven't they you know 25 to 30 million was mentioned in the summer when Juventus and Atletico Madrid were involved um, I think Fulham as well and you know Spurs as a Premier League club probably you know, expect that, but the rest of Europe don't have the money of the Premier League, so it's always going to be a struggle yeah. to kind of get that type of fee. Um, so you know, in the summer, if he's got 12 months left, then you know that that fee will come down and it'll be one that's sort of more more doable. Um, like I say, the only, the only way I could see him leaving is probably if Spurs went all out for Conor Gallagher, I think that would be the only way. Um, Spurs would sign Conor Gallagher and they'd let Hoiberg leave. Um, but I don't think either of those things will happen. Do you think that deal has legs, George? Either, well, it's probably unlikely in this window, but in, in the summer, would you say, uh, Conor Gallagher? Can you see that happening? Def- definitely has legs. Um, you know, if things have fallen in place on the final day of the window, he, he would have been a Spurs player. It was, it was pretty close. Um, Hoiberg was kind of being held back from going because, you know, there was... There was talks between Chelsea and Spurs. Um, didn't happen in the end because probably such too big a deal to do on the final day of the window. Um, but a lot's happened since then. You know, Gallagher's really, really established himself as a as a Chelsea captain actually. Whilst Reese James has been away, um, and I'm a little bit conflicted about this. I, you know, I watched Conor Gallagher for a season at Palace when I was covering Palace, and he was. He was unbelievable at times that season. Really was, you know. Scored either double figures or just below, but you know, box to box, you know, yeah. so much energy. I can re I can hundred percent see where he'd fit into Angie's Angie's team. But I think it's a lot of money. You know, there was fifty million was being talked about in the summer. That's a lot of money. Um for someone that you know, is he gonna be a guaranteed starter, or, you know? That's not you can't hunt, you can't say that for sure. Um, now there's there's still developments to go with this because he's he's ended in the last eighteen months of his deal, and we've seen with you know Mason Mount being a prime example. Chelsea get twitchy feet when a player is entering the last twenty four months, eighteen months, especially the last twelve months. They almost they almost make a decision. You know, if you've not signed a new deal when you've got twelve months left, you you will be sold. You have to be sold. So if Conor Gallagher continues to sort of hold out and not sign a new deal over the next few months, then he definitely will be up for sale in the summer. And a little bit similar to the Hoiberg situation, his price tag will not be 50 million. It would have come down by 
a decent chunk. Um, it'd probably still be 30 million, but I think you probably would pay that for, for Conor Gallagher. I really do think you would um, because he's got a, high, a very high ceiling and you can see exactly where he would fit into Angie's style of football. It's just a strange deal, certainly in January, for a number of reasons. You know, the fact that he's essentially the Chelsea captain with Reese James out um, and Poch. Poch clearly, clearly likes him, although what I would say is I feel like, you know, and pit, results on the pitch haven't been great for Poch, but I feel like if he really, really wanted to keep him, he could he could make that call, and he, and he clearly hasn't made that call. So that's a little bit telling. Um, so while I don't think this will be one that happens this month, you know, almost 99% sure of that, I think it's definitely one to watch in the summer because, well, it's one to watch in the summer, assuming that Conor Gallagher doesn't sign a new deal. Once he sign, signs a new deal, I see it, it's dead in the water, but if he doesn't, then the Chelsea will want him out, um, and Spurs and Ange definitely will want him. George, you spoke about um, Brian Hill and uh, Pierre Mihoybier there, saying about if they go out, um, Spurs would want some sort of option um, to buy at the end, or sorry, an obligation to buy at the end if it was a loan. With Regulon and Tanganga, are you surprised that they they were straightforward loans because they're going to come back? Uh, yeah, I'm not. Um, on the basis that Regulon, you had to get Regulon out. You, you couldn't keep him really at Spurs because there's a number of left-backs anyway and clearly doesn't fit Angie's style. So that was one where you just want to get him out. Um, and Tanganga obviously had a horrendous time um, out in Germany. And again, for him, you know, I, I don't think necessarily he's got a future at Spurs, but you just, from a kind of club care point of view, you need to get him games. Mm. So I think, you know... A lot of people probably thought he he wouldn't go as low as Championship, and certainly not as low as a, a sort of a team in, in Mill's position, and you know, not exactly fighting for the for the playoffs or the, or the top positions. Um, but he just needs minutes, really, really, really does, because he's had nowhere near enough for the last two years, and it's hugely stunted his development. Um, but yeah, with with those two, it's different different scenarios. You know, they weren't in the building, so you've not really Andrew's not really got a space for him in the squad. Hoiberg and, and Hill, you know, they are in the squad at the minute and they will be used if, if needed, but they're also probably, you know, they're coming towards the end of their time at Spurs one way or another and, and alone, you know, alone weakens Spurs, you know, not as much Hill, more the, the Hoiberg situation. You know, if you loan him out, then then you're weakening you're weakening yourself, albeit only for a few weeks until Sar and Basuma get back, but you're weakening yourself and you're you know, there's no guarantee that he's going to be gone at the end of the season. Um, so I think that's why Hoiberg and Hill have to be obligations now. You you can't just do another loan. It you know there needs to be something concrete at the end of that to to move them on for good. George, is it likely that Leeds United are going to pay Spurs fifteen million pounds for Joe Roden in the summer? Uh, I mean, again, it's. Depends on things, isn't it? You know, let's say leads do go up, then yeah, there'd be front runners to do that. But then you're probably going to get there's going to be clubs after Joe Roden in the summer. You know, whether it's Leeds, you know, whether it's Leicester because they're the club that have come up, whether it's you know Luton because they've just stayed up and they they're now looking at a new centre back. There's going to be clubs after him, so there's no guarantee for Leeds. That's why that is. I think that's personally one to keep an eye on this window because. It would make a lot of sense for Leeds to sign him this window, you know, 
even if they don't get promoted, you know, they see him as a really key player. He's been been excellent for them. Um, the fans yeah. absolutely love him. So it would make a lot of sense for them to try and get him now. And then you kind of you know, completely negate any chance that there's going to be a real you know, bidding war, I guess, um, for him in the summer. Because it does feel like there will be. Um, and I'm pleased for him, actually, because I always kind of wanted to see him get given a go under um, Mourinho. Not so much with Conte, you know, once Romero had come in, but I certainly always wanted to see Rodon get given a go under Mourinho, and he, he never did get, get a fair crack. So I'm pleased that he's, he's getting a run of games now. And, and I think by all accounts, he did pretty well last season um, at, at Wren as well. So, um, you know, he's, he's a decent footballer, obviously not Premier League top top six kind of level, but I think he could definitely have a Premier League career, um, whether that's with Leeds because they come up or whether it's someone else next season. George, what do you make of the situation with Jed Spence? Of course, he got uh, sent back from Leeds. Daniel Fark was uh, far in, far than impressed and with his attitude um, at Ellen Road. Of course, now he's gone out to Genoa. Um, they've got an option to buy in the summer. What do you think will happen there? Do you think this is going to be a player now going to take an opportunity and and the club are then going to buy him? Or do you think he's going to end up back at Tottenham? And what do you make of the whole club signing saga under Antonio Conte with Jed Spence? Do you think he, do you think he was actually given a chance at Tottenham? Um, he wasn't really given a chance under Antonio. But in hindsight, with everything we've seen since the way the you know, the way his loan went at Wren, you know, by contrast to, to Rodon, obviously the way the Leeds loan has gone, maybe you can understand now why Antonio didn't give him a chance. Um, I certainly think he could have given him minutes during that first half of, of last season, um, especially when Emerson was going through such a struggle. You know, it wouldn't have hurt to give Jed 20 minutes off the bench, you know, a bit more regularly. I think he's only played 30 minutes for Spurs, hasn't he? But... Clearly, there is there is sort of underlying issues there as well. Um, certainly, heard heard about the timekeeping. Um, you know, I think I read that he was late to the meeting with Daniel Farker when Daniel Farker was telling him that he's he's going back to Spurs. Um, I can't remember you know, who mentioned it, but you know, it, hopefully, you know, in a way, the Genoa move can work, and maybe it can be a similar similar case to Marcus Edwards. You know, a young lad, very talented, clearly, um, yeah. and wanted opportunities, but but wasn't getting them. And, and maybe discipline-wise, he wasn't 100% um, a professional off the pitch, um, but he went abroad to sport in Lisbon um, and, and uh, went to Holland in before that, actually. But it's really worked for him abroad, you know, change of scenery, getting away from, from London, getting away from England has, has really worked. So... Part of me hopes that similar can happen with Jed. Um, I mean, you know, if if the kind of, you know, professionalism side of things weren't such a big issue, you do wonder how he would be in in an Ange team. But I think Ange has probably seen enough of him um, in the summer and heard enough back from Leeds to probably have sort of, you know, he said he was going to give everyone a crack and he, and he did, really. Um, and he's kind of gave Jed... You know, looked at him in the summer and has, has realised that's not one for him, um, which is a shame because clearly a really talented player. I guess the only thing, and I think I probably got you know wrapped into this as well as as well as fans and probably other journalists. He only had one good season in the championship, 
you know, it wasn't like he was playing in the Premier League. Um, and when you're not in the team, you become a better player a lot of the time. Um, mm. So, you know, maybe those calls for him to come on and come in and be our saviour, because it felt like he was perfect for the Conte, you know, wing-back system. You know, maybe maybe we're just looking at a player that is championship level, maybe well, low-end Premier League. I wanted to ask, George, I know, I know obviously you're at Hotspur Way um, for all of the press conferences and, and other events uh, to do with Spurs. Um, when you talk to people and you hear things, um, when so many reports have come out and so many journalists have said that he's got a bad attitude, have you have you known that? Have you been told that by people at the club that he's got a bad attitude? Because when you look at Ange Postacoglu, and he's come out and said many times, you know, he does these FaceTime calls with with signings and, uh, you know, he's so hands-on. He likes people's personality. He likes people to have, uh, you know, be very driven, very focused. Jed Spence doesn't seem or appear to be like that. And all the reports that you hear and read, you know, one of the uh, recent ones I, I read from ESPN stating that um, playing loud music didn't turn up to meetings on time, etc. you know, very similar to what you've said. Have you heard any of that? Is that true? Um, uh, the bad, the bad attitude. I don't know if I'd, I don't know if I'd categorise him as that. Maybe, maybe that's not, not necessarily fair. I think it's certainly the professionalism that you want. Um, you know, when we think of an old, you know, an ultra professional, everyone all, all instantly when it comes to Tottenham thinks of Harry Kane. You know, Kane was unbelievable. You know, yeah. from the smallest detail to the biggest detail. Now, not everyone is going to be like that. You know, it's just, just the way you humans are not everyone's the same yeah but you want you you want a young player that moves up from a championship club to the premier league to be more like that than the less like that um and i think jed falls in the in the latter category where you know those kind of fine you know the sort of small margins the one percent he's he's probably not doing enough of um you know I, i wouldn't i wouldn't sit here and say i've heard he's a bad He's got a bad attitude, but I, I just would say that there's the small things that he needs to improve. And the timekeeping clearly, clearly is one. Um, you know, I guess probably you know taking on instructions would be another one. But you know, that's more linked to his time under Antonio, and Antonio's instructions were very specific and you know and look a little bit regimental. So not everyone's going to sort of flourish under that, as we've seen with other players. But yeah, clearly he needs to. Um, he, you know, he, his career was on an upward tra- trajectory, and it's now the last sort of season and a half is is going the other way. And hopefully, this low move can be the time when it clicks, and he, and he sort of realizes what he needs to do to be a professional um, at the highest level. Because there's a lot of talent there, but but like I say, he's just got to do the other work if he really wants to make the most of that talent. And, and you know, he, if he doesn't, he won't be the first talented player not to have made the most of their potential. Yeah. <laughs> thousands of, of people have not made the most of their potential but it would be a real shame because it seemed like a very good signing um but did kind of go downhill from the moment he was labeled a club signing and, and you know conte does deserve a, a slice of the um you know of of the due really for for not for jed not making it so far yeah um, George, last couple of uh, names I want to give you and uh, just give me your opinion on whether you think that Spurs could possibly sign any of these. Um, today, reports have come out. Um, Serhu Garassi of Stuttgart, uh, Santiago Jimenez of Feyenoord, Joshua Zerxi of Bologna, three strikers. 
any truth in any of those? Do you, do you think any of those could happen? Uh, the um, say the first one again is, is that the guy that's at the African Cup of Nations now? Is it Sohu Karasi of uh, Stuttgart? Yeah, I, I believe. Yeah, I did hear that last last month, but no, I, I don't think that makes a lot of sense. I think he's like twenty seven. Um, as I say, he's at, I think I believe he's at the African Cup of Nations now. So I'm not really sure. That doesn't really kind of sink in with what with what Angie's looking for. Um, would so would not... you see Rashalison? moving on in the summer and Spurs signing a new striker. Would you see that happening? Because, of course, there has been interest from the Saudi league. I know, of course, Richarlison scored six in his last six Premier League games. We seem to be seeing a different Richarlison now. Um, but with Harry Kane leaving, of course, in the summer, do you think that Spurs will get another striker in either in this window or in the summer? I think Spurs will definitely sign another striker um, or a, f- a forward player, I probably should say. Um, you know, it could be Nuzo in, in this window, but that's not necessarily for now. But in the summer, Spurs will definitely be looking for a, a real forward player that can go in into the front three positions. Um, I think Richarlison's, I think Richarlison's still got, you know, still got a chance at Spurs. I, I really do. Um, I did always kind of think that he suited, he suited a lot of Angie's football. If you look at the the player that's played centrally for Ange at other clubs, they're, they're not actually really a Harry Kane type. They're not someone that drops deep and gets involved in play. It's someone that's kind of minimally involved in the play, completely yeah. pressing, harassing, you know, so much energy from the front. But then he's a very, you know, good finisher in the box. Now that's kind of been the thing that's let Richarlison down. But, you know, he's Richarlison does seem fit now. And I think that genuinely has, has made a difference for him um, and also off the pitch it seems like he's got things in order and he's in a much better headspace so I, I certainly think he's he's got a career at Spurs and you know even if it's not a little bit similar to Lo Celso you know maybe Spurs go go and sign someone in the summer um, in, in terms of a forward and Richarlison is the the backup um, he's still going to play a lot of games you know with with what Ange wants to be doing in terms of going for you know going for it in Europe, going for it in the Premier League, going for it in the Carabao Cup and the, and the FA Cup. So I don't, you know, unless someone from the Saudi League is going to come in with a huge bid um, or potentially the romantic side of it, Real Madrid come in with big money. If Richardson has a brilliant end to the season, Real Madrid won another Brazilian number nine. That's always been one that you can maybe see happening, but... You know, Spurs signed Richarlison for sixty million. They're not going to sell him for anything less than that, um, and that's a lot of money for a, you know, even for the Saudi Saudi clubs. It's still a lot of money. You know, I, I don't think off the top of my head they were paying that type of money. You know, for Benzema or for uh, Firmino, I don't think it was any anywhere near that bracket. I know they have spent a lot of money, but it's not been you know that to that extent. So, I think Richarlison will will still be at Spurs. You know, come come next season, and I, you know, I'm I'm pleased for him actually. You know, he's he obviously had a torrid time last year, but you know, probably in hindsight should have had this operation done a lot earlier rather than yeah. playing on. But he deserves credit for that. You know, he was trying to play on to help the team because he's so desperate to do well. Um, and I don't think he kind of was given enough advice in terms of his body and managing his body and knowing the pain threshold that he should and shouldn't be playing with. So I'm pleased that he's starting to show his you know his, his worth and he's never gonna be Harry Kane but I think he has a lot of qualities that will that will do well in an, in an Ange team um 
so yeah, I, I, I wouldn't, I don't personally see him being one that's going to be sold in the summer. I, I think he's going to be around for, you know, maybe not the long haul in terms of the next three, four years, but I certainly think he's going to be our one of our forward options for the next couple of seasons. George, last couple of names. Um, Jared Bramthwaite seems to be linked with Tottenham a lot. Everton uh, centre-back. Lloyd Kelly of Bournemouth. Um, of course, his contract is running down. Hayden Hackney of Middlesbrough. Uh, Adam Walton of Blackburn. Jao Gomez of Wolves has been linked with Spurs recently. Jonathan Rowe of Norwich. And Casey McAteer of Leicester. Any of those you fancy? Yeah, Lloyd, Lloyd Kelly's an interesting one. Um Really, really good player um, and really, really good character from everything I've heard about him, actually. And yeah, he's going to, you know, it sounds like he's going to be leaving Bournemouth at the end of the season. Um, I mean, he's he's left, I believe he's left. Yeah, I think he's left-footed and he's definitely capable of playing left-back or, or centre-back. Um, I think that'd be a really smart one for Spurs, um, especially another homegrown player. That's always, always an issue. So I could definitely see see that one having legs um and yeah i've seen um seen the Bramthwaite links for for quite a while actually um i think he'll probably leave everton at some point over the next year um probably because of their their issues whether it's because they've got relegated or not I'm not sure i i don't think personally that i would see him i don't think spurs would pay the the price for him if, if you know what i mean and, and also when you look at you know, there's a lot of people at the minute that are very excited about Ashley Phillips um, and also Alfie Dorrington yeah. as well. Um, understandably so, because they're you know, two really, really exciting players, I suppose, have got. But when you look at them, they're both 18 and Jared's 20, either 20 or 21. And he's only just now got into the Everton first team. A lot of people are saying, oh, chuck, chuck Alfie in, chuck Ashley in, give him, give him a chance. Very hard position to chuck, chuck a young kid in. Um but Jared's kind of done it the right way, you know, by this time, went on loan, come back, and now he's in the Everton first team. And I think Spurs have also got to be careful of not blocking up those pathways. Um, and, you know, you know, maybe Ash Phillips won't make it, maybe Alvin Dorrington won't make it, but I think you know, they've both done enough over the last six months to probably warrant being the sixth kind of centre-back, um, if you include Ben Davis in that, if you include Dragos in, and, and, and another centre-back that's going to come in. So I, I think you know I'd be be reluctant to um, to be spending a lot of money on on that position, given Spurs have already done that with Romero, with Mickey Van der Ven, with with Dragosin. So that's why I think Lloyd Kelly makes a lot of sense. Um, and yeah, the other names you mentioned, um, yeah, I've seen the Hackney and, and the Wharton links. Um, a little bit similar. I um, suppose clearly want a centre midfielder, and, and that's why Conor Gallagher's the, the big one being being linked. Um, and they definitely will get a centre midfielder, but I I don't know about Wharton and um, and Hackney. I kind of look at Alfie Devine in a similar kind of situation. Like you know, this is a kid that's clearly really 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 talented, done amazingly at Port Vale. You know, on his debut, scored a penalty in the ninety seventh minute. You know you. That's just that already shows the type of character and an elite mentality he's got, you know. So I'm a little bit reticent to say, yeah, let's let's go for Water, let's go for Hackney, two young, you know, English midfielders, and block Alfie Devine's pathway. I think, I think you know probably that would have happened previously. I think Spurs are a lot more joined up now, as I was kind of talking about before with the structure. That I think that they'll look at that. Um, you know, if you sign Conor Gallagher, it's a different story. That's a guy that's going to come bang into the first team. And maybe in 
you know, 18 months, Alfie Devine's ready to push, or maybe two years, Alfie Devine's ready to push Conor Gallagher, and then you've got real competition. But if you sign a, a Wharton or a Hackney, you're straight away putting him above Alfie Devine in the pecking order. And, and maybe we don't know how much of a difference there is between those those guys. Um, so I'm not as sort of I'm not as certain on that on those on those two um clearly there's interest from Spurs you know Spurs have always traditionally been you know been in for the best EFL players championship players league one players and they clearly we will be watching these guys and same with Jonathan Rowe um but it's kind of if Spurs sign news I don't think they're going to sign Jonathan Rowe it's it's kind of one of those situations but and I think for this month it, it feels like all the eggs are in the basket with news um and I think, you know, putting, again, put my neck on, I think Spurs probably will get that deal done. It's just a case of, you know, getting the finer details, you know, bringing that fee down because they're not going to gonna want to play a, pay a real huge amount for an 18-year-old. But there's enough potential there to probably warrant a 25 million deal. George, if you gave me two numbers, one number for the amount of players you think the Spurs will sign from now until the end of the window and uh, how many players you think will go out the window. So, so one, one in, be Nooza. Um, how many would go out? So I'd say Brian Hill. Um, I think Sessegnon is, I think there could be a bit of movement with Sessegnon personally. Um, don't is there think, interest in him? Uh, I think there's interest. It's kind of, you know, I don't believe he's fit yet. Um, so, you know, there's going to be a lot of, to in and throwing over who's you know if anyone does come in from what sort of level is is he willing to go to um you know he had a really good loan at hoffenheim a few years ago and, and there was interest in him in the summer if he hadn't had this kind of setback with with his hamstring injury i think he would have gone alone in the summer i think yeah i think i mean if i'm pressed i'd say news news will happen and i think brian hill will go out um and yeah, I think I think Sessegnon probably will go out, but I don't think Hoiberg will. I think Hoiberg will stay. And I think that'll probably be it. George, can I just ask you very quickly about the under twenty ones? Because it's worth noting as well, as well as the 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 Spurs first team, the men's team has, has had a great season so far. The under eighteens, the under twenty ones, and of course the Spurs women who you follow um, you know, a lot this season, um, under Robert Villaham, they've had a great season. Of course, they've uh, now equaled the points tally. Um, on Sunday um, to last season already. So, um, but the under twenty-one players, Donnelly, Dorrington, and Sunset Bell, to name three. Is it worth sending those out on loan to get any experience? Because the under twenty-ones have done so well, winning every single Premier League two game. Are they going to get game time under Ange Postecoglou from now until the uh, end of the season with all of these players coming back? I think um, Sunset Bell. Yeah, I think he, he probably will go out. Um, now, I've been told Alfie Dorrington and Jamie won't. Um, I think, you know, there's clearly interest in those two guys, you know, really, really talented players. You know, Jamie's played for the first team a little bit, but, you know, him and Alfie have been real you know, mainstays of that under-21 team. I think the issue with with those guys, especially with, you know, Ash um, Phillips going out, and even, and even though... Dane Scarlett's come back. I think you just kind of need, you sort of need Donnelly around and, and Dorrington around as kind of bodies. You know, Dorrington at the minute will be, you know, fifth, sixth draw centre-back, but, you know, it only takes one injury and all of a sudden he's bumped up and then it takes a second injury, as we've seen with, you know, Romero being out for three games and Mickey van der Ben 
yeah. in his hamstring all of a sudden you you know you're playing a, a, a back you know fullbacks there um and you don't really want to put Alfie Dorrington in yet because he's such a young lad and it's a hard position but you need you do also need someone there um so that's probably why Spurs are keeping hold of him and and also it's good for them to be in around the first team um you know that was certainly probably benefit Alfie Devine last year actually I, I kind of felt Alfie Devine should have gone on loan last year but actually it probably benefited him having a whole season with you know elite level footballers whether, whether the football on the pitch is great um in terms yeah. of how it was under Antonio and others it's still great to them be around um and you also got to remember their age they are young you know they're only 18 you know soon to be 19 um in a couple of their cases so you know that they, they have got time still in their hands and I think probably next season it'll be hand-picked. It'll be very, very you know, specifically fit, picked a, a club for them where, they, where they'll go and, and have a really good time, like we've seen with Alfie Devine this season. So now I, I think I understand the calls to get him out, get him on loan, but you know, Spurs do need enough bodies around the place, um, especially if someone like Brian Hill, for example, does go out. George, just very lastly, um, talk a little bit about the Spurs women because, of course, Spurs women made history this season. You know, only a short while ago, a couple of weeks ago, beating Arsenal at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, the first ever North London victory. That was a uh, hell of a game and uh, hell of a, you know, hell of a sight in in the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Robert Villaham, of course, was very happy, but uh, they seem to be a very, very different team this season, don't they? Yeah. Yes. I mean, it's, you know, Angeball. Point two, isn't it really? Um, Rob Ball, I think we, we were sort of debating in the press box after that Arsenal game. Unbelievable result. Um, and obviously a brilliant goal as well. Um, yeah, it's really exciting what, what the women's team are doing and what Robert's doing there. Um, you know, plenty of plenty of help as well. You know, Vicky Jepson's still part of that team. She was the one that kept Spurs up in the end last season and, she, and she's stuck around and is a big part of it. Um, and they made some really exciting signings as well. You know, Grace Clinton scored twice last weekend and you know, I think Spurs would love to keep her um, and that'll be a big one that they'll be trying to look at, I reckon, over the next six months. You know, how how can we keep Grace Clinton because she's such a big yeah. talent? Um, and, you know, they've not had Bethany England for the whole season, really. They've just, just got her back. She's got a couple against Sheffield United the other week. Um, and, yeah, they've got a decent FA Cup run, actually. Um, got Cholton in the next round, which I believe is the fifth round, I think, off the top of my head. So if they win that, they'll be through to the quarterfinals. Um, and given they beat Arsenal, they'll fancy their chances against anyone. And they're level on points with uh, they're sick for the minute in the dub in the WSL, but level on points with with both United and Liverpool. So you know, Spurs finished fifth a couple of years ago um, and had a really good season, but couldn't kick on under Rian Skinner. Whereas it feels like there's a lot more in place now at Spurs, and and the you know. Daniel Levy and the, the board showed their backing for it when they signed Bethany England last January um, for a real hefty fee. So that, that showed their kind of commitment and, and willingness to to back them. Um, so it could be really exciting times for both the men's team and the women's team, really, if if they sort of carry on playing the style of football. But yeah, the, the football is very similar to Ange. Um, yeah. Clearly, you know, deliberately Spurs have decided they want people that fit the Tottenham DNA and, you know, people can laugh about that and jest whatever you want. But Spurs traditionally have always been an attacking team. And now the men's team and the women's team both have managers that fit that philosophy as well. Exciting times ahead, as you say, George. Um, George, you've been an absolutely wonderful guest. Um, don't leave it so long before you come back on this channel again. Um, please tell everyone where they can find you and uh, your wonderful work. 
Thanks, Chris. Yeah, I'm on I'm on Twitter. I don't know if you want to follow me tweets, but uh, yeah, at George Sessions on Twitter. And then, yeah, my work goes, as Chris said at the start, it does go here far and wide. Um, normally the independent and uh, and Yahoo are the ones I'm tweeting out, though, because uh, they, they actually put my name on it and I, I do have a little bit of an ego, so I like to see that. But, um, but no, thanks for having me on. It's, uh, yeah, it's been good fun. And, and yeah, hopefully next time I'm on, we're talking about an FA Cup winning team. Fingers crossed. Oh, wouldn't that be nice? Yeah, talking about trophy wins, that'd be fantastic. It's been far too long, George. Uh, well, George, enjoy the uh, the game on Friday. I uh, look forward to seeing you again very, very soon. Uh, thanks for watching, everyone. Thanks for listening. And until the next one, come on, you Spurs. days are great but there's nothing quite like playing at home the same goes for mcdonald's maximize your home ground advantage with mcdelivery order now on the mcdonald's app at participating restaurants 18 plus serving times delivery fee and terms apply see mcdonald's.com small details are big surfaces tight corners are odd shapes flat rounded textured or tall whatever your next project there's a spray paint pattern that's just right because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns, so you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1, only from Rust-Oleum.